Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Amen. Hey, if you didn't catch it on the video, there's a lot of ways that you can get involved. So whether you got kids, uh, whether you wanna be in a small group, um, hey, I know Scott's gonna need this. He's gonna need people to help with World Cup. You guys familiar with World Cup, right? Like, I know the United States isn't necessarily uh, a, a soccer country, but the rest of the countries of the world, they are. And so World Cup is a bigger deal than Super Bowl. Um, I know it might not be easy for us to see that, but around the world, the World Cup is a huge deal. And so it's kind of, think about like the Olympics, like every time it happens, it's like a miniature Olympics that's only around uh, actual football, right? Like, so not the fake stuff that we have. I'm a football player, I can say that. I love American football, but World Cup is huge. So here's what we're doing. We're trying to reach Hundreds of kids in this neighborhood in our zip codes. Scott has been a coach at Crawford High School. And so he's got connections there. We got friends that, uh, from all of our learning communities. Remember we had, uh, during COVID, we did like uh, learning cohorts here. So we had like 30 families that we were being a part of. And most of those kids, they play soccer. So if you're afraid of soccer, you don't know what you're doing, don't go on the field. But we need people to help sign people in. We need people to like referee, to run sidelines. I can teach you when the ball goes over the line, you raise the flag. That's not hard. We can teach you that. So if you wanna serve in some capacity, we will need help on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is a, it is a citywide event. Um, we would love to have as many people out as possible. Uh, Awana's coming back. Some of you guys got your, your kids in Awana. You've had your kids in Awana. Um, we're gonna be doing that in person. Um, so we wanna encourage you to be about that as well. So anyway, enough about the announcements. So tonight I got a couple questions for you. We're gonna look in Philippians chapter two. So turn your Bibles there right now so you're ready when we go fast, then you're ready to get there. So um, I think Pastor Nate uh, took us in Philippians chapter two up to verse four. So we're gonna start in verse number five today. But here's my question for you. Um, and it's on my other notes on the computer right here. Bam. Um, and, and maybe you've heard this before. I've heard Pete say it, but maybe you haven't picked it up. So if I said the devil wants to make us bad, but Pete also says this, if he can't make you bad, he makes you what? Busy, some of y'all heard that, all right? So if the devil can't make you bad, the devil's gonna make you busy. I wanna push that a little bit. I'm not saying I disagree with that statement, but I wanna, I wanna push it a little bit further because I think there's a third option. And I think that some of us, we struggle with doing things right or wrong. Like that's like entry level Christianity, like right, maybe you ain't even on the Christian fence yet. You still like doing dirt and like trying not to get caught and trying to lie to this person and you got all your stories and you forget what story you got to what person and you're trying to keep everything rolling and then when you can't fix it, you just go to another place and start new friendships, right? So some of y'all might be in that spot, probably most of you not. But that's like in the bad world, like you try to like keep ahead of the bad that's coming for you, right? And then we got the busy world. And I think that happens in a lot of churches that we're doing so many things, we're busy, but we're not doing the things that God wants us to do. Like if, if the devil can't keep us bad or keep us down, he will make you busy. He will make things around you that we choose. So you're not necessarily choosing the bad thing. Like before you were a Christian, you just wanna choose the bad thing. And so you feel you're doing better because I'm not killing nobody, nobody died today. And so that's a win. Like nobody's going to jail, that's good. But... It doesn't mean that you're necessarily fulfilling your mission and goal. 
And so you can get busy doing work. You can get busy doing family stuff. And I'm not saying that family's not important. The Bible says family was instituted before the church. So don't get that twisted. If your family's not right, then it's kind of hard to have a good church life, right? So some of us are here trying to help our families stay right so we can be in community, right? But there's another option. And I just want to throw this out to you. And you tell me whether this kind of resonates with you because it resonates with me. I think it's not just bad and busy, but I think that God, that, that the enemy wants to give us distractions. And distractions don't necessarily tie you up because you have to be somewhere, but distractions make it where you're definitely not on course, right? So somebody's getting their car stolen right now, so they're probably on the bad train, um, but uh, is that somebody's car we need to take care of? Nope, it's all better. It got returned. So, so I don't know about what distractions you have that cause you to get off focus. Um, I'm gonna tell you a quick story of a distraction that happened to me this week. So I wasn't, I wasn't thugging. I wasn't doing anything bad. The, 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 the incident made me want to get back in my flesh. You know those incidents? Like, like you, people don't always realize that you've always been saved because they've only known you as sanctified, saved person. And, and if your ego gets in the way, you start feeling a certain way when people start thinking you soft. And you don't like people punking you because you're just like, if there was another time and I wasn't saved, you would be, you'd be paying me money right now. You'd be running for me right now. You'd be, you'd be on your knees apologizing to me right now. Like, you don't even know who you're messing with, right? So, so our attitude starts to creep back in. So devil wants to keep us busy. He wants to keep us bad. But I think that he wants to distract us. And I think that it's almost like you set up the dominoes and you kind of knock them over. There's a consequence in actions of things that happen later down the line. Uh, so Satan might not have had to take a person and throw them in your path and be like, all right, tell them this. Be rude, do this, whatever. The, the state of the fallen world that we live in has caused people to lose their minds. There, 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 there is a lostness that is pervasive amongst our society. And if you are not a Jesus follower, it is pretty evident that people are either on Jesus's side or not. And you can't get away with the Bible stick, you know, a Bible verse or, or, or a Christian bumper sticker. Like whatever's inside you is gonna come out. And if you're wearing something Christian, people are gonna be able to talk to you for five minutes and they're gonna be able to know where your allegiances lie. Now I'm happy if you if you've been if you were wearing Thug Life shirts and now you're trying to go to Christ Life shirts like that's great that's a good start so you go ahead and keep wearing your Christian swag but I'm telling you that I think the enemy wants to keep us distracted and I think he wants to do it in ways that that we don't see coming so my story was on Friday night I was doing Bible study with a bunch of kids so it seems like okay Brent you're doing your purpose that's what you're supposed to do you're the youth pastor take kids teach them about Jesus and then bring them back to church to make sure they all make it safe. All right, that's my job, youth pastor, right? But at the beach, there was a guy that decided he did not like my parking job. And rather than telling me he didn't like my parking job, he took a permanent black marker and he wrote a note on the car. That can make somebody feel a certain way about something. That let me feel a certain way about something. And thank God, thank God I had kids in the car because I couldn't get crazy because I'm trying to keep my testimony but what when you don't got kids in the car do you keep your testimony? Because there were some plenty of words and the guy was sitting right there. It wasn't even like it was a hidden thing. 
He was rude to me and cursed at me when I parked. So I already knew he was there. And I tried to make it light, kind of like, man, it's crazy at the beach, man. There's no place to park anywhere. You know, is it cool? And I asked him, I said, are you driving away anytime soon? Because we were parking all of our cars in, backing in. And so I knew I wasn't gonna be able to get out. And most people weren't gonna be able to get in. You're gonna have to ding some doors to get in the car. I had to roll down the window and Dukes of Hazard it out the window put my, on the side, put my hand back inside, try to roll up the window, and then try to unlock it, get my hand in there and lock it. It was, it was, a, it was a thing. I had already planned on opening the back of my Jeep uh, and then walking it and then crawling through to get to the front to be able to drive out. I wasn't planning on Mr. Anger next to me, passively, aggressively, not confronting me, but just drawing all over the car. Now, this, this wouldn't have been a problem. He put some pretty interesting things. He, he, he didn't spell the things right, which might be a good or bad thing. He tried to say a bunch of curse words and they're spelled wrong. So, uh, so it, looks a little bit, it looks a little bit weird. Um, thank God that people can't understand it. Um, but I realized I borrowed somebody's car. It's not even my car. So I definitely got more things to say to him. And he's sitting in his car, just sitting there. And the kids told me, um, Pastor Brent, somebody put a note on your car. I said, like, oh, just give me the note. They're like, we can't give it to you. I was like, what do you mean you can't give it to me? And I walk around and I look at it and I go, and so, and I know the guy's right there next to me and I go, thanks a lot. And he goes, you're welcome. And that was it. Oh, my blood was boiling. The non-Christian part of me was like trying to like surface, like crawl out of the rock. It was like pushing the rock aside. It's like, we coming out of the tomb. I was like, no, no, that's the wrong illustration. You gotta stay down. You were dead, you were gone. And I had to start to figure out what do I do? I took some pictures. I was like, I could turn it into insurance. I took a picture of the VIN number. I was, now listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I, I like to think that I try to do things the right way, but Satan distracts me, I get distracted. I wanted him to say something to me. So I was taking pictures, all bold, flash going off. I wanted, I was trying to get him to come say something because I already said the part that I thought was gonna get him was like, thanks a lot. I was expecting to hear it and I was gonna be able to say something. But he just said, you're welcome. You can't say nothing after you're welcome. The conversation's over. So I was mad again. I was like, oh no, now this guy's trying to get me. So I'm taking pictures. I'm out there. I'm behind his car, looking up on the thing, making sure his tags are not expired. And I'm thinking about all these things to do to him. Now, the reason why I tell you that is to tell you this. In the passage that we're looking at today, in Philippians chapter two, the Bible says that there's a way that saved people are supposed to act. There's a, there's a way that saved people are supposed to behave. And if Satan can't make you bad, and if Satan can't make you busy, then there's plenty of things that he can do to keep you plenty distracted. That man has distracted me, so that was, that was not Friday. What is it, Sunday? That's three days ago? So I've been thinking about that man every day for three days. I've thought about going back down to where he was because he was homeless living in his car. I've thought about doing something else. I, I thought about trying to do like good things, bad things, put Bible first. I mean, I've gone through the gamut of everything that I could possibly do to not lose my Christian faith and still to let this man know, hey, not everybody's saved. If you do that to the wrong person, you're gonna get cut. But I ain't gonna tell that to him. I'm just trying to figure out a way to say it in a way that he just understands. You better respect me next time. I'm, I'm, my, my pride is hurt. There was a time that people wouldn't have done that to me. But this is not that time. The Bible says this in verse number five. Listen, let this mind be in you, 
which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, Pete keeps on giving me these easy verses because there's not a whole lot of exposition that needs to go on here because you either have the mind of Christ or you don't. Now, if you're brand new to church and you don't know the mind of Christ, then that's great. Then we can talk about it. We can, we can flush all that out. But as I'm looking out there, I'm seeing a lot of people that have been in church for a minute or two. And so most of us know there's a difference between saved life and lost life. So when Jesus said that, when, when, when Paul says here, you have to have the mind of Christ, most of us knows what that means. That we gotta turn the other cheek. We need to be forgiving. We need to be merciful. We need to be full of love. We should have joy. We should have kindness, the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those should be the things that regulate your life. And when people see you, they should see that fruit. That's one singular fruit. They should see all that. It's not like guava, orange, lemon. It's like one fruit and it's got all them things. So when they see you, you can't pick the one you're gonna demonstrate that day. I'm gonna go with kindness today, but I'm not going with self-control. No, nope, that's not the way for the spirit works. Like you either got the transformation of Christ in you and you are either choosing to live it the way that God has demonstrated it or you're choosing to be bad, to be busy or to be distracted. And I'm gonna challenge all of us to think about what are the things that are distracting us. If you're, on the, if you're on the bad side, then definitely stop killing folks, get with Jesus, get your heart right, okay? Like, and killing folks is not the only way to be bad, right? There's a million ways to be bad doing bad things. Pick your bad. Every, like at, at CR, everybody's got a bad. Everybody's got something that, that is your nemesis. So you pick that. Maybe it's gossip. Uh, maybe it's anger. Uh, maybe it's, it's substances. Maybe it's sex. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's something. Maybe it's buying stuff you ought not buy. Maybe it's taking stuff that you can't afford not to buy, Right? I don't know what it is, but then we got the busy people, but then we got distracted people. That man has distracted me from my faith because I shouldn't be focused on him. I should be focused on Christ. If I focused as much on Christ, trying to figure out a way to help him in his walk as I have thought of ways to try to teach him some sort of lesson and not get caught, that's a lot of mental energy. And I knew I was preaching this Sunday and I was still like, okay, I gotta get back to the word. I gotta get back in here. And the whole time God's like, what, but what about the guy that you're trying to jack up? I'm like, I'm not really gonna go get him, God. You know, I'm just mad. He's like, I know, but you distract. You ain't worshiping me. You thinking about him. Guarantee you, Brent, he ain't thinking about you. I'm like, man, now God, now you're just being dirty. Like, because I wanna think that he's just thinking like, oh man, that guy, I want him to wake up angry. No, do you know what? He already wakes up angry. You gotta be angry to do something like that to somebody for no sense and no reason. There's already a problem. He needs, he, needs, he needs a heart reform. I'm not even mad at him. I'm mad at the sin that's behind the him. You know, it's not, I don't know his circumstances. I guarantee you, nobody, nobody normally that I know chooses to live in a car by the beach. It might've sounded fun for a minute, but pretty soon that, that, get, that, that, that well gets a little bit dry quick. We did it like we were in like, in what, 17, 18, like in high school and college. You know those people that never partied at the right time? And then they partied later and you're like, you partied at the wrong time. You had to do this at 17, your family wouldn't be a mess right now. But you did it when you were 34, right? I don't know when he started partying, but something has led him. Some of y'all smile because you know what I'm talking about. Like we expect high schoolers to be dumb, but we expect college students to kind of, well, also be dumb, but then start to grow out of it. And hopefully you've developed a testimony to the point that Christ is now reigning supreme and now you can set your trajectory the right way and now you can live the right way and your family can get the right way. But not all of us in this church got that testimony. 
Some of us got all sorts of testimonies. You've heard Pastor Mark, you've heard me. I mean, we all got different stories how we got here. But the fact is, we all here right now, and the Bible says this. All of us are supposed to have our minds be changed. Let this mind be in when you is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Now look, now this is a famous verse. Most of y'all know it. If you're in Awana, you memorize this verse, you got this thing down. I know it. But here's the thing. Like, our comparison of how hurt I get from the distractions in my life are completely ridiculous. I get mad at my neighbors because they wake me up at crazy hours of the day. That's a distraction, but it's not the end of any world for me, right? It doesn't change my faith. It doesn't change my destination. It doesn't change Christ on the cross. It just makes me try to figure out how do I be a good neighbor? Or do I call the cops on the next door neighbors? Like, like how, do, how do I be salt and light in an area where people don't care about salt and light? How do I live when people just wanna kick dust at you and they look at you like you saved and they just assume that means you're soft? And you've seen that, you know, those, the slogans, some people got that, save not soft, you know? It's normally like gang members coming out of gangs that just came to Christ and they wanna let people know, I'm saved, but I ain't that saved, you know? So, like, I, I, we hold on to those things. And I'm not saying you can't, don't throw away your saved, not soft shirt, don't throw away, but we're not supposed to live that way. We're not supposed to live threatening anymore. Your power doesn't reside in your bench press, your muscles, or your gun carrying capabilities. It doesn't reside in how crafty you can be and how devious you can get back at somebody. There's a whole bunch of ways I could have got back. I was talking about, I'm gonna give him a ticket. I'm gonna go talk to my friend. Sam, he was vandalizing my car. He was threatening me and the kids in the car. That's pretty threatening. What he said on there was pretty threatening. And I had three teenagers in the car. So I could have, I could have played any sort of car, uh, card and had some authority go down there and check, you know, what, but is that really gonna help the lostness of his situation? That's not gonna make him any better. Maybe he heard me talking to the kids about being a Christian and about us living right, and maybe he knows that I'm a Christian, and maybe the whole thing was just to kind of see what, what I'm made of. Maybe he's had a bad church experience. Maybe he visited our church in the past, and we didn't say hi to him, and he walked away here going, I'm never going back to church because a bunch of church people are fake and phony. Maybe he's been here, but he didn't get Jesus because... Something happened. Maybe we were too distracted. And so he walked in and walked out. A couple years ago, there was a school shooting in East County. Um, and the shooter, a lot of people didn't know this, but the shooter had been to my friend's youth group a couple weeks earlier. And the kids remember making fun of him because he didn't look right, smell right, dress right, talk right. He only came once. And then he shot 13 people in East County. And two of the kids in the youth group actually went to his school and they got shot. And so at youth group there, we had like a thing at the church there. Not, not everybody died, but some people just got shot but not died. And so she was healing from her gun wound. And she mentioned, she said, I think, I think he came to our youth group a couple weeks ago. Did anybody talk to him? See, there's always consequences that we don't always think. And some things that we think are distractions are really things that we've kind of caused by allowing other things to, to not be dealt with. And so we've created the distractions just like we create the busyness. We say yes to too many things. It goes on and it says this, Christ 
in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, verse number seven, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And he was found in the appearance of a man, verse number eight, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So here's, here's my questions. How did the church, not necessarily us, but just church in general, how do we get to the place thinking that Christ was the model? And, and I'm not throwing the shade on anybody. I don't know what church you go to. I can't see it. I mean, the lights are a little bit bright. I can't see, so I'm not like picking out what church I know y'all came from in the past. There's a lot of churches that have like institutions. There's a lot of churches that have big movements or big money or big whatever. Um, I mean, like it's easy to point like at the Catholic church because you got the Vatican City, you got all this stuff or whatever. I'm not, I'm not just pointing at Vatican City, okay? But, but here's my question. At what point do we go from being followers and having the mind of Christ to developing a state independent of everything else to hoard all the money of everything in, in Europe and to literally be worth the billions of dollars that just sits there with the ornateness of everything? Where, like, how did that become a thing? Like, I understand, like, respecting, you know, pastors and, and teachers, and a lot of you are very respectful, and they come, oh, I'm sorry, pastor, you know, and, and you, you're, like, you're keen on, on using the, the, the nomenclature. I get that. But I hope and I pray, move it. I mean, wh- while I'm here, it'll never be this way, um, and then if it gets this way, then I won't be here, and then maybe we'll all be somewhere else. I don't know. But, but we're not going to get to the place that our pastors here are considered deity, royalty, um, uh, you know, the financial, whatever. You shouldn't have to feel like you're groveling when you come to church. Like, oh, Mr. Pastor, so, you know, please, you know, bless me and touch my hand and kiss my baby and, and here, take my money. And that, like, like th- this ain't that church. And if you come from that, my question is not throwing shade at those churches. I'm asking, how did God-fearing Christians get from the first century to that so quickly? In the name of trying to preserve what we're doing. Obviously, we want to preserve our freedoms. I want to have Christian freedom. I'm willing to fight for my Christian freedom. But am I willing to fight for my Christian freedom at the expense of acting like a Christian? Am I willing to to prove that I'm right? I might have a constitutional directive in the United States to fight and to be able to use and to speak and do whatever. I might have the ability, but doesn't the Bible say just because you've got the ability to do it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing to do? The Bible says it might not be most beneficial. I, I have the freedom to do it, but it might not be beneficial towards the kingdom. And I, I would submit to you that the more beneficial it is for you personally, the less beneficial it is for the kingdom as a whole. And so we do stuff in our best interest because I got to protect mine, right? I live on my neighborhood that's not Christ-fearing, so I'm going to protect my family, but I don't want to protect my family at the expense of ministering to the people that God's called me to live in community with. I'm supposed to be salt and light and talking to people around me. I'm not supposed to make taller walls and soundproof barriers. I'm not supposed to turn my music up to match their music to let them know that I can be a jerk too. That's not the, that's not the heart of Christ. Now you can match their music just so you can listen to your movie and they can listen to their movie. That's fine. Like, I, I, I ain't saying don't listen to nothing. Don't walk around all sheepishly with your headphones in because you don't want to offend anybody with their music. If they're playing loud, play loud. Be, be, be neighborhood. 
I don't want to be so weird that people can't relate to me. I want them to look at me and be like, oh, wow, he's got a loud stereo system too. Okay. Maybe that's pride. I just want to be able to listen to, to, to my movies, right? And I don't want to hear their music, just like I'm expecting that they don't want to listen to my music. So I try to be respectful. How do I be salt and light in the middle of this entire mess? The Bible says in verse number eight, Christ decided that as being God, the, the absolute most ridiculous thing that he could do would become his own creation and then let his own creation mock him, destroy him, make fun of him, torture him, kill him. That was Christ's idea. Now, maybe you've been in church long enough to think that that sounds normal. Most people that don't know Christ and Christianity, that sounds really weird. Why would God do that? How would God allow that to happen? Some of you guys might have heard this before because I've, I've told this story before, but I don't know if it was at this church or the church I was at seven years ago. But I have a friend named Sertesh who's, who's Turkish. Um, was with us for a long time, uh, came to San Diego, all this stuff. He needed a ride to go back up to LA. So I, um, I told him, hey, I'll give you a ride. It just happened to be Easter. And so he knows as a Turkish person that Easter is kind of like the, the Christian holiday. Like everybody does Christmas because everybody wants toys, but really only the, the, the trues do Easter, right? Uh, except the moms make them come and dress up and then do the meal and like all the, all the babies got to come back to church, all sit together for that, that Sunday, right? So he knew that that was a big thing in the Christian world. So he was perplexed how a Christian, he called me a priest because he didn't understand my position, but, but in his mind, all pastors are priests because we're all Catholic and it's only Catholic and Muslim. Like that's the, the world fight still going on, you know, thousands of years later or whatever. So he didn't understand how a priest was gonna drive him to Los Angeles on Easter and he got me in the car and I thought I was going to witness to him and he just goes hey since we're already here priest sir um, I, can I ask you some questions because I'm confused about Christianity and I was like yeah what well, what and he goes how can you worship or think that God is so small that he would send a biological part of himself to earth to be tortured and crucified. And when he's like, do you understand that Allah is so great and all powerful? That would never happen in the Quran. God is too big. God is too important. And the whole story of Christianity makes no sense to Muslims because God would never lower himself to do anything except being the greatest, almighty, and biggest thing. And I heard that and I was like, Dang, that'll preach. Like, like, God is worthy of all that. He understands the, the awesomeness of the God part. He gets that. He doesn't have a clue what to do with Jesus. And most of us don't understand how significant it is that Jesus would do that because we should be thinking if there's an almighty, omnipotent God out there that can control everything, that can speak or, or think things into existence or think things into nothingness, that can condemn the world to heaven or hell. If there's an almighty supernatural being out there, you gotta believe that he's pretty a big deal. He's the thing. He's the business. He has all the power to do anything he wants. So, so he's partly right about the concept of who God is and how big God is. The part that he couldn't get his mind around was why in, in, in God's green earth, why would in Allah's green earth, he would say, why would you even think 
that Allah would lower himself to the point of being hurt by one of the persons here? And I said, you know what? That's a really, really great question. And it's one that Jesus even talks about on the cross himself. Because if he wanted to, when everything was going down the last 72 hours, there was plenty of opportunity for him to step out and to say, I'm not going to do this. Now, he didn't have the same kind of concept of sin that we have. So I understand that the Bible says that as I got sin on me, as I'm born into a, a, a mortal body that has a sin nature, I need something to fix the sin nature in me. Now, in, 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 in Muslim thought, you just gotta do good enough things to get over the right place. And, and his concept of hell was he's gonna have to walk over a thread of hell and, and his good deeds are the thread that he has to walk on to scale to the other side to get to Allah. And his thought was like, Brent, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, but I gotta tell you, you do much more good things than me, so if it gets down to it and I'm right, you're gonna be better walking across the fires of hell because you got more stuff underneath your feet because you live a better life than me. And I took that and listened to it and I was like, okay, I'm not trying to be Muslim, but I'm glad to know if I was gonna accidentally become Muslim that I'm doing pretty good there too, so thank you very much but he didn't understand about the sin that has been placed upon Jesus that was taken from, uh, from me. So I don't have to have that sin on me. And this passage is talking to that. This passage does not make sense to my friend Sirtouch. Maybe it does now. If you're listening online, hopefully you found out um, that this is the real deal right here. But the Bible says this, he was found in appearance of a man, humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Look at verse number nine. Therefore, it says, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. So we kind of went through the, the muck and the mire. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't camp there a whole lot, but, but you understand the concept of how big and great God is. And the big deal of verses five, six, and seven, and eight is that, is that taking all of that, the story doesn't make sense. It only makes sense to you if you've gone to church for a minute or two. But the story is truly like, no, really, who's gonna do that? Like, really, that's not what people do. People don't give up their power until it gets taken from them. People don't just lay that stuff down. And for somebody that has everything at his total control, for him to be able to say, this is the salvation route necessary for humanity to make it back to the kingdom, that's, a, that's an act of sacrifice. In a Muslim thought, we sacrifice ourselves for God, in Christianity, our God sacrificed himself so that we could have relationship back with him. He's not commanding us to love him. He's saying, I love you so much. I, I'm doing this so you can get back to me. Amen. My friend has a profound misunderstanding of what sin does and how bad it is because he still thinks that that thread across heaven is gonna help him across hell. And I, I, I mean, the, the bad news for him is gonna be Bro, I'm glad that you have a good God concept. I'm glad that you understand the mightiness of, of Allah. And I just wanna tell you that that is the same name. The Bible says you got that name. The Quran got that from Yahweh, from the Old Testament, the Bible. We can agree to that. He can agree that, that we still study the Old Testament together. But, but the one thing that he get hung up on is Jesus. This verse right here, it might just seem like it's just Sunday night, so we're just coming to church to, to run through you know, the fat life. But I wanna tell you, 
this is the verse that changes everything for cults that can't get with us. That they don't understand. My friends that are Jehovah's Witness, they don't understand. My Mormon friends, they don't understand. Heck, some of my Christian friends that say they're Christian, they don't seem to understand. They're not living a transformed life. They're not, they're not laying their life down as Jesus did. The Bible says in verse number five, let this mind be in you, the same that is in Christ Jesus, so that if the one that we are following has chosen to take the best things, if there was a, if there was a, a scale of the greatness of God, he went from a bazillion up there and he said, I'm getting rid of all of that to come down to lowly us, to be killed by us, that is a huge deficit. That's a huge difference. So anything, listen, I don't want you to be mad at me. I told my wife earlier, I don't want to get on everybody's toes, but if anything in your life is keeping you away from understanding, number one, the greatness of our God, and number two, the, the depth of his sacrifice so that your reputation no longer matters because you are dead in Christ and the Bible says that his reputation is all that matters. And if the one that you are following decided to go from there to here to be killed, why would we expect anything less? How can we build a castle in the name of Christ and say this is Christendom? How can we even try to take back a place like Jerusalem in a crusade because that's where it all happened? Now listen, we get hung up on stuff. We get, we get hung up on stuff. I got, I got stuff here. I told some of you, um, some of you guys were asking, some, um, we're going to Israel. Some of us are going to Israel um, or they're trying to plan the trip. I don't know if it's still, is it still, still going, right? So listen, I think it's important to go so that you can see what Jesus saw in the area. It was important to me geographically so I could see the Jordan River so I, I didn't have to get I didn't have to get baptized in the Jordan River to get saved. Like that that's not what it was all about. I wasn't necessarily on that whole thing. Like I got to do all these things over again, like a Christian pilgrimage and whatever. I don't. There, there's every major religion of the world goes to Jerusalem right now. Like whether whether you're Catholic, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Christian, whether you're Armenian. Like Jerusalem's divided into four different quadrants, so that each quadrant is owned by a different religious faction. And so if you wanna visit the tomb, there's four tombs because everybody wants to make money off you visiting the tomb. So the, the Catholics got a place, they say, this is the tomb. The Muslims have a place, this is the tomb. The Armenians, the Christians, everybody's got a tomb. So I'm not necessarily walking, standing in the tomb like, oh, this is where it happened. Listen, there's a, there's a point that that's borderline idolatry because you are worshiping the thing rather than the creator. You're worshiping the creation. Doesn't it say that in Philippians, right? In the first part, it says in Romans, it says, it says that we get busy worshiping the created thing rather than the one that did the creation. So I've got some stones here. I got, a, I got a stone from the Romans road. I think it's illegal to take stuff out of the area, so don't follow me. I was not living my saved life that day. So I took a rock out of the Romans road. Hey, the Romans road is 3,000 miles. It's all through Europe. It ain't a thing. You just walk, you just see a cobblestone road that's like 3,000 years old, 2,000 years old. You just pick up some rocks and, and whatever. So, so I picked up a rock, and, it, and it, I was close to Rome, uh, Romans road, and so I just like named it the Romans road. 
Uh, so I got one from, from Qumran, uh, for those of you that know about uh, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls and like what happened in uh, Jerusalem during that time. I got one from uh, uh, the city of David. This is old Jerusalem. Um, so I just picked up a rock. Like I didn't, I didn't break down a structure. I didn't like hammer something out and take it out of the wall. It was just on the ground. It's not important or nothing. It was just a piece of dirt. Picked it up and I was like, I've got this in the city of David. You know, uh, I got this at the top of, of Nazareth. Um, but, but listen, these are still stones. They ain't, they ain't nothing here. They're not, they're not sacred. They're rocks. They, they've been around for thousands of years. They'll probably be around for thousands more. I'm not gonna drop this one because it's cracked. Well, I guess I could just drop it and maybe it'll crack. It, it's just dirt. But we spend all of our life accumulating dirt. The car is just dirt. And now it's got misspelled cuss words written on it. And it belongs to Jesse, so it's not even mine. But Jesse, if you're watching and you're finding this out for the first time, I'm sorry. It's just dirt. <laughs> the Bible says it's all going to burn. The Bible says it's all going to disappear. But I submit to you that we fight so much. Listen, there's the people that are still doing dirt and they need Jesus because Satan's making them bad and I get that. Come to Jesus. Like I, I've never ever, ever heard a good excuse for people not to come to Jesus. It's normally like, I'm just not ready yet or Jesus won't forgive me, right? Well, number one, he will forgive you and you are ready right now. So come to God and then he will start. You don't get fixed before you come to church. God gets into you and then he starts to work in you. But you can't clean up to get here. So if that's your mentality, you've been going to the wrong church and somebody's been feeding you the wrong information. But then some of us are just on the busy train and you just gotta like slow down and say, I need to spend time in the word. I need to spend time with my family. I need to spend time repairing broken relationships that I've made my entire life. You've spent 30 years ruining your life. You've got some work to do to start putting some of that stuff back together. And when God wakes you up in the middle of the night and there's a name that you haven't thought about in a long time, it's not just because you ate bad food and now you got heartburn. It's because God's waking you up to have you do something. And I ain't trying to get all weird, supernatural, whatever. Uh, There's not a TV show where you wake up and go, I must help them. But I'm just saying, you probably need to reach out and do something. Start with some prayer. Find out what's going on. Is there, is there people in your past that, that you did dirty that you need to, to make right on? Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a great place to start. I don't know what to do with my life. Hey, you could spend the second half of your life fixing what you messed up the first half of your life. Now, I ain't saying look back because I said that Christ wants us to look forward. So don't, don't wake up every night trying to figure out how do I fix my past. Fixing your past is not the key to your future success, okay? But if God wakes you up to do something, then you best do it. And then the rest of us, we just got distractions. And most of our distractions are some form of dirt. Don't know what your dirt is. But most of our distractions are some form of somebody did something to me. I want to do something to somebody else. Things aren't going the way that I like. My boss is overlooking me. My boss is overworking me. <laughs> like there, there's always something. But hey, you know what? It's all dirt. It's all dirt. It's all, it's all going to crumble. The Bible says it's all going to burn. But we focus so much on the things that matter so little. We don't got a lot of time. I got to kind of land the plane a little bit. So I need to look at my notes. <laughs> That's not a touch screen. <laughs> I had some, I had some, uh, I had some research that really doesn't matter because it's all dirt. <laughs> I spent, I spent way too many hours watching Netflix specials on the Ottoman Empire and the Japanese Empire. <laughs> 
how it was so important for them to pass on succession so that somebody would be able to rule in their stead when they were gone. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus took 12, well, he had one guy that didn't make it, but 11, 11 guys that barely were making it in life. And they weren't the best, they weren't the quickest, they weren't the smartest, they weren't the fastest. They might've stunk the most. They might've had the foul mouth. You got the zealot, you got the tax collector. It's pretty much, it was pretty much the us. It was like New Vision. If the disciples were out there, it would've been like New Vision disciples. I'm sure there's some pretty churches out there. None of the disciples would be there. They'd all be right here in a dirty church. Well, maybe, maybe Matthew, there were some highbrow disciples too that, that came from the other side of the track. God had everybody in his little, in his little group. That's what made it so weird. They're like, why is he with it? They, I can just imagine Jesus walking around with 12 people and people just like, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't, like those three, they belong together. Those two, maybe. Those two, maybe they're a thing. I don't know what's going on. But they're looking at this group and going, I don't understand. I've heard people say that of New Vision multiple times on multiple occasions. I, I just don't get it. How come when everybody's so angry, how come y'all just sit around singing Kumbaya together? I'm like, well, we have never sang Kumbaya together, number one. Number two, I'm open for it. If you want to sing Kumbaya, I'm down. I don't know the words, but teach me. But number three, it's only because we've been transformed that we even have a path that's on the same route going the same direction. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, you know what that means. If you're not a Christian, you just find it out. Hey, we got small groups. We talk about this every single week. We talk about it at church three times a week. We got Saturday, ser- I mean, Friday services. We got two Sunday services. You're here. You found one of them. We got plenty. We got small groups during the week. We got, we got ministry things for little kids to do a wanna so the little kids can hide God's word in their heart. So hopefully they don't make the same mistakes that the grownups that us in here have made. Hopefully they steer away from the knuckleheaded things but truth be told, it's the knuckleheaded things that kind of got us here, right? So who's to say that our kids aren't supposed to go through some knuckleheaded stuff? I'm not trying to say I don't, don't pray for our kids. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying there's a testimony on every side. So whatever God got you here, like I grew up in a, I grew up in a pretty strict family where I, I always thought I didn't have a testimony because I, I, I had not ever been drunk or I'd never been high, and I, and I, was, a, I was a virgin um, but when we got married. Like, like that's, a, that's a weird testimony. But at our church, we've got a lot of weird testimonies. And the way you got here is not the way everybody else is here, but we're now all on the same journey of dirt. We're on the same path, picking up the same rocks, heading towards the same king. And it doesn't matter where you come from. I know people say that, but it matters the direction and the destination of where you are going. Amen. Don't be bad. Don't be busy. And this week, I, wanna, I want you to ask yourself about what is distracting you. What is the thing that you think about more than you ought to? Maybe it's a Netflix special. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's your one thing. You're like, oh, I gotta get to my, you know. Hey, I got Netflix. Like I told you, I binge watch all of the Ottoman Empire. I could tell you about Mehmed and, and him taking Constantinople and, and how it changed to Istanbul and how we had it since 330 um, and it went all the way to like 1400 years until the Ottomans took it. And it was the, it was the, it was the crown of the Roman Eastern religion of the Latin. So, so when Mehmed came as a sultan, he actually called himself the continued ruler of the Roman Empire, even though he was Muslim. 
And obviously the church didn't accept that because they're like, you can't use our names. Like, he's like, I'm just, I'm the man. So since this has always been where the, the Christian king lived, now I have the city, now I get the name and the title. You know what? It doesn't matter, bro. It's all dirt. It's just a place. It's supposed to be a beautiful city. Guess what? My friend Sirtuch lives in Istanbul. He invited Amanda and I to go see him there. And he said, I won't tell anybody that you're not Muslim and I'll be able to sneak you to all the, the places that Christians can't go, but only the Muslims can go. He doesn't believe. He's not a believer. Or at least he wasn't. Maybe he is now. But he said, he's going to take me to all these places. And I was like, oh, I want to see the dirt. I didn't say that. I was like, I want to see the pictures, right? I want to see all the cool Muslim things. But it's all dirt. So as we close, I want to challenge you with uh, just a couple of thoughts. I have, a, I have a picture up here. I don't, you're not gonna be able to see my picture because my phone ain't the iPhone 17 and a half. But I got a picture up here. I can show you later if you wanna see it. You can look it up. It's a famous painting of Rembrandt. Uh, Rembrandt did it actually. It's not of Rembrandt. It's of Bartholomew. And it's a, it's a painting of him. And uh, all the disciples had a, had a rough go. They had to follow Jesus and then Jesus didn't leave no dirt behind. Jesus is like, you are, you are it. <laughs> you, you are the thing. There is, there is no church. There is no sepulcher. There is no huge thing. It, there was a cross on a hill and guess what? They took down that cross and the next day they probably crucified somebody else in the same place they crucified Jesus. The, the, the place where Mary had in the little stable, like they didn't like make that into a great place. The next day, guess what? The ox and the sheep and the camel were all eating, peeping, peeing and pooing right there where Jesus was 24 hours earlier. It didn't become gold and start growing wings and get all Renaissance painting-ish where there's halos around everybody. Somehow we miss it. We accidentally get distracted because we wanna make something more important. Jesus said, there's only one thing that's important is his kingdom. And his kingdom is found in your heart. It's not found in a place. This building can burn down and, 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 and as beautiful as it is, and, and we worked really hard to make it nice to have air conditioning because our last church, we spent all of our energy trying to fan ourselves, And you know, fanning yourself actually gets you hotter than the air that you're getting from your fan. So it don't do you no good anyway. But we saw everybody struggling, getting huge arm muscles, trying to fan themselves. And we said, you know what? If we could buy a couple of air conditioners, we don't have to watch this for an hour while we're preaching. That's a simple fix but we didn't do it so we could worship and be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. God, you're found in this place. You know what? The Bible says he's found in our midst. So at a coffee shop, at, at, at Mid-City World Cup with a bunch of kids playing soccer that you don't even know the sport, it's a bunch of kids saying Bible verses online over Zoom, waiting to be able to be back in person again. It's some kids going to the beach to have a bonfire with 300 kids with an angry homeless man drawing obscenities spelled wrong on my friend's car. That's where Jesus is in the midst. And how you live in that situation is what it's all about. Bartholomew, this painting, um, I got a chance to see it in Balboa Park about, about 10 years ago. There was a Rembrandt exhibit here. And it's a picture of him sitting and he's holding a knife because Christian tradition tells us that he was given the knife and he was told, tomorrow 
you're gonna have to betray and say that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. You're gonna have to betray your faith. And if you don't betray your faith, we are going to skin you alive and this is the knife that we're gonna use to do that with. So they left him in the cell all night with the knife for him to think about being filleted the next day. I don't know if it happened. It's one of those things that sounds like, that's a terrible story. I look at the picture and I just look at the contemplation of him sitting there with the knife, thinking about what it's gonna cost him. So my question to you is a little bit less gruesome, maybe, but I would submit that we got all these distractions. You see, if we were gonna get killed for our faith tomorrow, we would all know who was true and who wasn't. If we were all in here today and I decided to lock up all the doors in this beautiful building and then I was gonna bring some people in to, to start to sort out the truths from the not truths, we'd find out really quickly who's just like, hey man, I'm just checking it out. Like I didn't, I didn't sign a card. I ain't got baptized yet. Like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just here listening. I, I walked in, I thought it was a different church, sorry. Some people have been trying to find their way out. Crazy man tried to kill everybody up in the church. But if we were disciples and we were all imprisoned and we knew that the next day was our last day, you'd have some questions that you gotta like come to grips with. Like, what, what am I willing to do? I'm gonna go out painful. Nobody wants to do that, right? We are, we're all taught to run away from pain. I don't know how much pain I can take. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty much of a wimp, so I'm pretty sure they start flaming. I'd be like, oh, done. Like, you know, they have to keep slapping me, wake me awake. Hey, you're supposed to feel this. And I'd be like, okay, okay. Oh, you know, I'd be fainting again. I'd be like, I'd be a terrible torture victim. I'm sure they had ways to fix that that weren't very pleasant. And I'm sure it was a terrible 12 hours for him being tortured. I don't know what you have to look at as your distraction. All night long, he had a knife to think about. And I gotta believe the only thing he could be thinking about was like, Lord, you're bigger than this knife. You're bigger than my life. My life is now hidden in you. I no longer exist. Only you exist so the last verse, I'm just gonna read the last verse and then we're gonna be done. He's highly, his name is highly lifted up and exalted above every name. Verse number nine, verse number 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of things in heaven, things under earth, things under the earth. All that means is that they knew there was stuff in the sky, there was stuff here and there was stuff in hell. That's all they're saying. Three different kinds of stuff. The, the, the heavenly stuffs, they're gonna worship him. The earthly stuffs, they're gonna worship him. The demon stuffs, they're gonna worship him. Done. There ain't nothing else. It's like up there, right here, down there. That's everything. Everybody is gonna bend the knee that they should bow of things in heaven, things on the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know what your distractions are. I can't, I can't presume. I just wanna leave us with that thought just for this week. And if you don't know what your distractions are, maybe you're just still on the busy train. Maybe you're so busy you don't even have time to have distractions. Well, then you, gotta, you, get, you need to fix that probably. But I think all of us got something that we need to think about. Some of us are coming off of doing dirt and I can tell you what, there are some weeks that it just looks really tempting. Somebody just does something just a little bit off that you're like, Oh man, that guy's caught slipping. Like we all, we can think that, right? Like some of us got some of minds like that. And you see stuff like that, like, man, if that was 10 years ago, I'd be coming up on some new shoes. You know, I'd have a new car. I'd have a new whatever. Maybe that's where you are. If that's you, give your life to Jesus. Let him start to work a new thing inside you. If you're too busy to understand what's going on, you just need to take some break. Maybe you need a sabbatical. 
You know why Pete is so big about our pastors taking vacation? Because so many church pastors don't stay pastoring at a church for very long because they get burnt up, blown out, boiled dry. We don't do that here. I want, I want Pete to be as fresh as he could possibly be because I need him here at Word of God, so I need him to be able to come back and preach what he's hearing God speak with him as he is a prophet. All of our pastors on vacation, that's a good thing. Don't be like, man, our pastors are getting paid, traveling the world, picking up rocks in Israel. Like, don't be mad. You should be excited that some people are like taking some time to smell the roses. Do you know why? Because this world is not about smelling roses or about so being busy. And I think that people need to be less busy and let God be more in their every single day life. You, you don't gotta start a big old huge ministry. Talk to your next door neighbor and figure out how to get them to turn their music down. And maybe you just make a friend and maybe you end up making a convert and maybe you just make somebody you do life with for the next 10 years. Let God decide who's watering, who's planting, who's granting the increase. Amen. Amen? Pray with me. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for for your word that is truth, that is, that is timeless. I thank you, Lord, for these stories that, that we can't make this stuff up. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. God, I just thank you, Lord, that we can be about the business that you've called us to. And Lord, you've given us a, a purpose. Lord, you've given us a plan. You've given us a way to live life. We don't have to live hopelessly. We don't have to live aimlessly. We, we just gotta pay attention. God, we just gotta pay attention to what you are calling us to do. And God, our mind has been broken by the brokenness of this world, and maybe we were used to doing bad, but Lord, you are teaching us a new way because the Bible says if we accept you as our personal savior, Lord, you give us a brand new heart. You take out the heart of stone, and you give us a heart of flesh, and we start to care again. We start to have feeling again. We start to see the world in beauty again. We stop seeing all the negative things that define us, and we start seeing the beautiful things, Lord, you're calling us to. And God, then some of us, we get our heart right, but then we say yes to everything, and we don't know how to, to set some boundaries, God. And Lord, you want us to spend every day asking you, is this what I should be doing today? Is this busy or is this, is this godly? Is this what you're calling me to? So maybe there's some busyness that needs to be trimmed off this week. Maybe I need to say no to volunteering for the City World Cup in North Park because it's gonna happen again next year. And God, you don't need any of us. You choose to let us be a part of this, but somebody's gonna be there for those kids. And maybe this is not the right time for me to say yes to something else because I need to focus on my wife. I need to focus on my kids. I need to make sure that I'm shepherding my kids right. And I can't, I can't take care of the house of God if I can't take care of my family. Maybe some of us need to get back to, to that. Maybe some of us need to, to do more work. Um, maybe some of us need to do less work, Lord. But God, I, I believe that all of us need to identify the distractions that the enemy wants to send at us. And Lord, that could be, that could be a, 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 our car running out of gas and, and we're mad at ourselves because we didn't fill it up or we're mad at our spouse because they didn't fill it up or we're mad at the, the gas station because the prices are too high. I'm mad at my friend because he, he lives too far away. But Lord, it's just a distraction. Maybe I'm mad that the DMV didn't process my paperwork right and, and I got a ticket for not having my tags right. That's a distraction. Maybe I got a distraction because I'm fighting with my neighbors and I don't know how to make it right, but I don't like them, they don't like me and they don't know anything about you, Jesus, and I haven't told them. 
Help me to fix that distraction. God, help me to help me to think of the people that are angry enough to write curse words on a car. Help me to have the first reaction to be, what can I do for you, bro? Can I pray for you? It seems like you're hurting. Rather than trying to figure out a way to be distracted. God, so whatever our distraction is, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that like Bartholomew, Lord, tonight, Lord, while we're sitting in our, in our room, it's not a jail cell, but as we're sitting in our room, maybe we're not holding a knife, Lord, but tonight, Lord, may we hold those distractions in front of you, God, and may, may we just slowly put our hands up and just say, Lord, take our distractions, take our busyness, take our bad, and give us Jesus. Jesus, you come in and you do what the world cannot do. You fix the broken. You set free the captive. And I pray, Lord, that tonight, Lord, we would, we would offer these things to you. It can happen now, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that it happens tonight even greater, that we wake up in the middle of the night and we know what we're supposed to do. I love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for worship, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.